Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is urban fantasy and romance novelist Melissa Searcha. Melissa's latest novel is After I Break, Immortal Billionaires Book Two. Melissa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, After I Break, how would you describe the novel? Well, it is a steamy billionaire romance uh, with paranormal elements. So it is a paranormal romance as well uh, with the billionaire subgenre. Um, and it's basically about a couple um, who are traveling around the world together to hunt a magical artifact. And the male character is an incubus who is um, a demon who feeds off of sexual energy. And the, the female is a human character. Uh, and all the books in the series are standalones, but there is a underlying arc that connects all of the books together in the same world. And the characters are related in some way. But um, yeah, After I Break is uh, about Lux and Piper and their journey uh, jet-setting around the world to uh, to find this magical artifact. So have you um, pondered the appeal of billionaires in the in the romance subgenre? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I read a lot of it, and I think it's just a fun genre. You can do so much with it because, you know, obviously having a billionaire character allows you the freedom to, you know, not have to explain why they have a private jet and are able to just <laughs> go everywhere they want and, and and go to the best, you know, restaurants and things like that. It's just fun. Um, I think a lot of readers really enjoy it. It's something also that's so, you know, far removed from the majority of people in, in real life. Um, so it's the fantasy element of, you know, this dashing billionaire that sweeps, you know, this woman off her feet. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of fun with it. Sure. And I'm assuming it was your intention to kind of mash up the the billionaire romance uh, kind of trope along with the the paranormal. Yeah, I didn't want it to be too far of a stretch from my other works. Um, I have established myself as an urban fantasy author previously. Um, I have two series out, and they're you know very um, almost borderlining on high fantasy. It's a lot of magic, and I create fictitious worlds and use Greek mythology. And uh, I wanted to branch out into more romance, but I knew that with my writing style and just my interests, I love the dark, you know, paranormal, supernatural things. So I really wanted to incorporate that, but still just make it feel contemporary in a sense. So I think people that like both genres will enjoy this series. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing After I Break and the Immortal Billionaire novels? Yeah, I you know, I started book one is called After I Fall, and it, it's about a vampire who owns, um, he's like a restaurateur billionaire. And I grew up in the hospitality industry, so I knew I wanted to write a book about food. I wanted to like incorporate that in and my experience of being uh, in the restaurant business I've never done that with a character before, so I thought that'd be really fun. And I also wanted to base it in New York City. Um, I've spent a lot of time there in my 20s and such a magical city. So I thought, what a great setting for a billionaire, um, especially a billionaire vampire. And just my influences um, from different films, you know, like even things like The Vampire Diaries. Uh, there was a movie that came out last year called 365 Days, where um, it's about a mafia guy who kidnaps a woman because he's in love with her and 
you know, tries to convince her to fall in love with him in, in one year. So a lot of just different things kind of started popping into my head. But mostly I just knew I wanted to write a dark, gritty, New York City style um, novel, but have a vampire in it. That's great. Well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing and publishing your first novel? Oh boy, I well, I've been writing my whole life just short stories and poetry, um, and I had tons of novel ideas growing up. But you know, as we know, life gets in the way, and I just never sat down. And then when I turned thirty-five, I was going through some corporate career changes, and I just really started thinking more and more about writing professionally. So I I sat down to write my first novel, Blood and Magic, and spent like five years on it, really fleshing it out and researching it, and then. Once it was done and I felt like I could, you know, show it to someone, I started querying it out to agents and not knowing much about the industry. And then I realized, you know, after uh, several rejections, I thought, well, maybe this is better for a small press. So I um, submitted it to City Owl Press. And within about a three-month process of, you know, them requesting a full manuscript and and that whole thing, um, they finally sent me uh, an email actually on Christmas night <laughs> um, offering me uh, a three book deal. They wanted me to write, you know, the entire uh, trilogy for it. So it was very exciting. And I had said I wanted to be published before I was 40. So I managed to get that in. Um, <laughs> and that's just been like a great um, journey since there. I mean, they've really nurtured me and my career and I've just learned so much um, about writing in the publishing industry as uh, so I wrote another spinoff series with them, which is not quite finished. I have one more book. And then uh, during the pandemic, uh, when I was fur furloughed from my day job, I thought, okay, now I have so much more time to write. What am I going to do? And uh, a couple of friends suggested, well, why don't you try self-publishing and do something totally different? So I started researching it and like soaking everything up I could find. And um, and then that idea came to me for after I fall. And, you know, within two months, I had a first draft and uh, self-published it in October of last year. And then, you know, once I get started in a series, the ideas come to me like crazy. I just, I can't, I almost too many ideas sometimes. <laughs> um, but I I just started writing and plotting and um, yeah, and here I am. I'm about to release my eighth book next month. And so you you have self-published uh, or indie published, as some people refer to it. I'm curious, yeah. what have you learned about the uh, self-publishing process? It's really, um, it's hard. It's a lot of work. Um, and that is why I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of authors prefer small press or, or big pub because um, you're required to do everything yourself. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, um, picking the cover artist and picking the editor, and then you're in charge of all your marketing and, and all of that. So I have learned it is time consuming and you really have to um, create a balance and, and create a good writing schedule too, so that you're not, you know, spending all this time just on the the business side of it and then forgetting to actually write. So that's been interesting. And I've learned a lot about myself and what I can handle as far as, you know, how long it takes me to write a first draft when I'm really going at it full speed. And so, you know, I can write a book in two months um, if it's, a you know, this type of book, a paranormal romance. It's around 55,000 words. Um, yeah, about two months I can do that. So I've learned that um, 
about myself. I've also learned that um, you have to advertise and things I never thought about before. So I'm learning Amazon ads and Facebook ads and um, you get really creative when you're like, you're the only one in charge of right. your business. You know, you have to like really get creative as to how you're going to get your name out there because I mean, there's millions of books um, self-published like every day on Amazon and it's hard to stand out, you know, in the crowd and, and get your, um, your book out there. But another important thing I've learned too is to know your genre and make sure that your cover and your title and your blurb reflect that because um, otherwise, you know, no one's going to click, you know, on that, sure. on that buy link or that Kindle Unlimited link. So um, yeah, that's been probably the biggest lesson. Well, when you're working on a new novel, what is your writing process exactly? Do you outline your novels before you write them or do you write more organically? I do. I'm a heavy outliner. I tried once to not outline and it was just a huge mess. It took me forever. I had all these plot holes and I'm like, this is way too much work. So I definitely um, heavily outline. I like to outline by hand in a notebook, old fashioned uh, style. I, I do, uh, well, first I come up with the characters because I feel like I, I like to write character driven stories, not plot driven. And so, um, I really work on the characters and their, um, their backstories, fleshing them out. And, and then sometimes a scene will come to me and I'll just write a scene, uh, write some dialogue, do some word sprints. But then once I have my plot kind of formulated, I literally just sit down and write it scene for scene, just a brief summary until I have about anywhere from 30 to 60 scenes that I can expand upon. And that's really helpful because when you're trying to write a book in two months, uh, you have this blueprint that you can always refer to. And if you get lost, you just go back to, okay, well, this is what needs to happen next. And and outline can change, obviously, as you're writing. Um, but it's really nice to have that like guide, that m- a map, I call it, just so um, I don't get writer's block or, or get stuck. <laughs> sure. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories and novels, given your uh, experience thus far? Well, I mean, aside from obviously don't give up, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really important to know your craft. I, I never stop learning. I'm always buying craft books, taking courses, talking with other uh, authors, and we bounce ideas off each other. It's just really important to know that, um, what what it is to write and how to craft sentences. And, you know, there's things like, you know, once you know the rules, you can break them. And that's actually very true, but you have to know what you're writing and uh, to know the different genres. If you're calling it an urban fantasy, make sure you're reading urban fantasy books and you're familiar with the tropes and what readers expect. It's really important. And then sticking to a writing schedule. And it can be two days a week if you work full time, or it can be five days a week if you're at home. It's just up to you and you have to set that and stick to it. Otherwise, you'll never, you know, I've been there where I'm like, oh, I'll just write tomorrow, you know, and then, you know, two months go by and you're like, oh, great. So that's the main thing I've done in the last two years, probably um, specifically, is I've just really stuck to this writing schedule to get the books out. And treating it like a business, because um, if you want to write, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and you're passionate about it, that's great. And that's important, too. But if you're trying to become a published author and, you know, have a career at it, you have to treat it like a business and, um, you know, take time out to engage in social media and build those platforms, you know, because it's the times are different now. (laughs) And we have to, uh, 
you know, we have to have social media. Uh, you don't Very have to true. have all of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't, you can have one or you can, I have all of them. So, um, without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, that's just something I, I feel comfortable with, but um, you can focus on one, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And um, yeah, that's just really important to um, stick to what you want to write, uh, especially when you're first starting out. Don't try to write to trend or write to market because chances are by the time you finish your novel, the market has changed, <laughs> you know. Um, so I, I only I only recommend that to seasoned authors who are like quick, you know, two months, you can write a book. Um, but yeah, that's really important and just staying true to what you want to do and don't give up because you know, like I said, I, I took me five years to write my book and, you know, you think, God, I'm 35, like, is this crazy? Like, you know, but you're never, you're never too young or never too old to, to start a writing career. That's great advice. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh my gosh. Um, Story Genius by um, Lisa Cron is incredible. She takes the concept of story building and characters and more of a psychology aspect and kind of reminds us of how we as humans, you know, crave storytelling. And she really breaks down, you know, why certain books sell really well, even though maybe you don't think they're technically perfect, right? You know, things like, uh, well, I won't name any names, but there's certain famous books out there that everyone knows where you're like, sure. oh, that's the writing's not even really that great, but the story is insane and it's awesome and they're making a movie out of it. And, you know, those are the kind of concepts like just basic storytelling um, techniques and um, just how to create backstory, even if you're not going to even use it into your novel. I really, I really enjoyed that book. Um, Romancing the Beat is another one. I'm totally blanking on the author's name right now, but if you just type in Romancing the Beat, it'll come up. Sure. And that's great for romance authors. It's a very short read, but very specific. And it literally just tells you, you know, if you're going to write a romance novel, there is a formula that readers expect. So you have to hit these certain beats um, throughout your story. And the details obviously will be your own, but um, it's it's a really good uh, read if you're trying to get into romance. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Of course, Stephen King's on writing is you know, one of the best um, books. And and I also recommend doing podcasts, listening to podcasts, um, you know, listening to uh, the Masterclass series. It's a little pricey, but if you can't mm -hmm. afford it, the Masterclasses are great. I took Neil Gaiman's um, on fantasy writing and Margaret Atwood has one. And there's just some really fabulous material on there. That's great. I've I've been watching some of those as well. Um, well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Sure. So I have a website um, called melissasearcha.com, and I have all the links to everything there. Um, if you're on Twitter, I'm at FluidGhost. And on Instagram, I'm at MelissaSearchaWrite. And Facebook, I have a page. Um, it's just MelissaSearcha11. I believe. And then there's a couple groups on there as well. So if you follow 
my Immortal uh, Billionaire series, I have a, a group for it where I post in, info on on that series and do fun things like trivia and games. So um, yeah, but if you just go to my website too, it'll just take you directly to all those links. Sure. Well, again, we've been speaking with urban fantasy author Melissa Searcha, author of After I Break, Immortal Billionaire's Book Two, and many other novels. After I Break is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And Melissa, thanks for doing this interview. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This has been so fun. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Now, stay tuned as Melissa reads from her book, After I Break, Immortal Billionaires, Book Two. I'm Melissa Sercha, and this is an excerpt from my book, After I Break. Chapter One, Piper. The jet lights reflected off the rain-soaked tarmac, blinding me. Through the fog, his muscular figure was barely visible, a silhouette next to the black stretch limousine. The click of my heels on the pavement echoed my heartbeat, quick and heavy. As I got closer, glimpsing his face, I shuddered. With tattoos climbing all the way up his neck and thick brown hair slicked off his forehead, he glared back at me with eyes the color of steel. Neither one of us wanted to be there. Well, if it isn't Lux Roman in the flesh, I'm surprised the rain hasn't turned you to stone yet, I said. He flexed his jaw. Piper rose, charming as usual. To everyone else, I was a ray of sunshine. Let's just get this over with. After you. He stretched out his hand toward the private jet, revealing more tattoos peeking out of the cuff of his white buttoned-up shirt. I shimmied up the steps in a gray pencil skirt, pink cashmere sweater, and black stiletto pumps. The wind picked up toward the top of the air stair, blowing my icy blonde strands into my face, along with Lux's scent, a blend of spice, leather, and vanilla. I inhaled a sharp breath and tried not to think about how seductive it was. After kindly accepting a flute of champagne from the pretty flight attendant, I sank into the farthest seat I could find. I'd been dreading this trip for weeks. Now here I was, about to be stuck on a four-hour flight from New York to Cuba with one of the richest and most obnoxious men I'd ever met. Lux Roman was one of the best artifact hunters in the world, and he knew it. He was also an incubus, a demon who fed off sexual energy. As long as I kept telling myself he repulsed me, I couldn't be manipulated by his charms. I couldn't stand being in the same room with him, let alone on the same private jet. Demon or not, he was just like all the rest, arrogant, self-righteous, and full of shit. Don't get me wrong, he was sexy as hell. Most women would sell their souls to be in my shoes right now. But that was the problem. He could actually take it. I doubted Lux even had a soul. My days of falling prey to gorgeous men who made promises they couldn't keep were over. The only silver lining was this job. If I hadn't had my heart shattered into pieces all those years ago, I might not have found my way to sticks and stones. I loved this job and I was good at it. So as much as I could barely stomach everything that Lux represented, my company insisted we needed him to find this artifact. I was still trying to prove myself, so I had no choice but to agree. Lux followed suit and kept his distance, choosing a seat closer to the front of the jet. Unfortunately, it was still facing me. I averted my gaze to the window. Are you going to avoid looking at me the whole trip, Piper? I drew in a sharp breath. Only if I can help it. He chuckled, his voice raspy and melodic at the same time. I don't like working with a partner either, especially one as inexperienced as yourself. But your company hired me. Just keep up, don't question me, and we'll get along fine. I almost choked on my champagne. Excuse me? I don't know what types of women you're used to working with, 
but I'm not one to let a man boss me around. I don't work for you and I'm the best artifact hunter. Sticks and stones has, so maybe you should try to keep up. Asshole. Lex's smile faded and he glared at me with those steel gray eyes. Don't piss me off, Piper. I'm not one of your human boy toys that you can walk all over. You know what I am. A tiny shiver crept up my back. I had to remind myself that I was trapped on a plane with a demon. No matter how much he looked like a human man, he wasn't. I didn't think he would hurt me, but that feral look in his eyes made me want to bite my tongue. Lux was wound so tight, he could suck all of the oxygen out of this cabin if he wanted to. I tilted my head back and rested my eyes closed, wishing I were anywhere but here. I let my mind wander back to a time when I was truly happy. That first day, I stepped foot in New York City with a thousand dreams and an open heart. When the world was full of wonder and possibility. When love was something I thought I could actually have. You do know what I am, don't you? Lux asked, breaking me out of my reverie and reminding me how nothing good lasts forever. I met his gaze. Unfortunately, one of the downfalls of the job, I retorted. Knowing my world exists is a privilege, one that most humans aren't privy to. He pulled a small glass vial from his breast pocket and took a swig of the clear liquid it held. It's a burden, I sighed and wondered what he was drinking. Though I wouldn't give him the satisfaction of asking, lest he think I was actually interested in anything about him. Lux released a deep breath as he drank, his lips quivering. You have no idea what a true burden is, princess. While I'm sure immortality came with its drawbacks, he wasn't going to convince me that his troubles were greater than mine. Humans were fragile, unprotected. We could break at any time. Lux, on the other hand, was invincible, powerful. You wouldn't happen to have another vial of something that makes you stop talking, would you? He licked his lips, curling them into a spark, and nestled back against his seat. You know what would make me stop talking? Your mouth. Don't finish that sentence. This is a business trip. If he was trying to get a rise out of me, it was working. Lux's face hardened. Relax. I don't want to be here any more than you do. That was the Lux I remembered. Cold, vile, and insulting. Sex was his lifeblood. The thing that gave him power. An incubi never discriminated against who they got that from. But the first time I met him, he couldn't have been more repulsed by me. At the time, I was insulted, but now I was grateful that his sights weren't set on me. I'd had enough manipulation for three lifetimes. All I wanted to do now was get this trip over with, retrieve the artifact, and get a fat pay raise. Those were my priorities. I couldn't take getting passed over for a promotion again. The life of an artifact hunter was a lonely one, but it came with a long list of sources that would envy the likes of any spy movie. Part of being good at it was knowing you could trust and contact for information. Sticks and Stones had led me to Harley Ryan. She was the best computer hacker in the country and was my primary source for tracking magical artifacts. Her latest trip involving a shipwreck was what led us to Cuba. Lux had his own computer genius, a werewolf named Cassius. Between the two of them, this should be the easiest find of my career. But that was betting on the fact that Lux was actually sharing everything he knew with me. Lux drummed his fingers against the armrest. His knee bobbed up and down. I was no expert on demons, but he seemed to look unhinged, like he needed to feed. When was the last time you had sex? I asked. Are you offering? He narrowed his eyes at me. I snorted, don't flatter yourself. I just need to know if you're going to lose your shit before we even land. I don't know how any of this works. It's really none of your business, Piper, but don't worry. I'm a sex demon, not a sex monster. I have methods to keep myself fulfilled. The bitterness in his voice was hard to miss. I was starting to guess it had something to do with that vial, 
Maybe it was some kind of demon drug. What kind of methods? I shouldn't have been prying, but my curiosity was getting the better of me. Lux sat forward, fixating his gaze on me with laser focus. Let's get something straight. We aren't friends. This trip isn't going to bond us together and end with us sipping wine by the fire while we confide our deepest, darkest secrets to each other. So cut the bullshit questions. We have a job to do. I will tell you what you need to know. Nothing more. My stomach nodded. He was truly an asshole. Fine by me. I don't really care anyway. Lux snickered and shook his head. Keep telling yourself that, princess. My cheeks burned. What is your problem with me? I don't have one. That would require me actually giving a shit one way or another, and I don't. He took another shake, shaky sip of his mystery liquid and pinched his eyes shut, a gesture that seemed to say that he was done talking about it. So I dropped it. Besides, I was tired of being the target of his insults. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.